that was out of this world, wasn't it? <laughs> I can almost guarantee you there's not another church in the, in the world, probably, that played that song this morning. So, <laughs> You know, one day Jesus was talking, and he was talking to his followers, and he said this in John 15, verse 19. It says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I've chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you do not belong to this world. It's a heavy concept, isn't it? You've been chosen by God. You've been called by God out of this world. In fact, Jesus wanted us to understand this, that we do not, we do not belong to this world. And in fact, it was so important to him that Jesus prays about it, and then he asks God to help us with this whole idea of not being from this world. He says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of it. We're not of this world. That's, we're going to talk about that a lot. We've been called by God. We've been called by God to an out-of-this-world existence. Webster Dictionary says that phrase, out of this world, means something wonderful, something exciting. You know, for instance, uh, their seven-layer Godiva chocolate cheesecake is out of this world. I mean, did you see the game earlier in the week? Three goals in three minutes. That was out of this world. And go Penguins, by the way, so... (laughs) Wow, that's unbelievable. That's out of this world. We, as Christians, live in this world, but we are not from this world. We've been called by God to an out-of-this-world experience and existence. And I think that is really, really hard to comprehend. Peter, disciple of Jesus, he, he understood what Jesus was talking about. And years later, Peter would pen the words he's writing to Christians in Rome that were under extreme persecution. And he writes this, he says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens, as sojourners, to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against the soul. In this series, we are going to explore some of the radical statements of Jesus. The idea that that we are out of this world, that we're we're to experience the wonder and the excitement, the otherworldliness, so to speak. And today what I want to focus on are what I would call some kind of alien concepts, alien thinking, so to speak. You know, when I was a kid, uh, we had a lot of different pets. When I was growing up, I had a German Shepherd. Uh, His name was Blaze. And uh, we had a poodle, Mr. French. (laughs) We had a uh, guinea pig. And I'm talking, this was a big guinea pig. And we called him Pete the Pig. And uh, I had an ant farm. 
as a kid. And I realized, and I don't know if you know this, each ant kind of has uh, a very unique personality. And once I figured out that I could tell the difference between the ants, I started naming them. And so I had Gilligan and the Skipper and the Professor and Ginger. You get the idea. I don't have to keep going, do I? We lived in the Florida Keys when I was young, and uh, I tried having lizards as, as pets. And I remember one time I caught about 20, maybe 25 lizards, and I put them in an army helmet, and I'd covered the army helmet up, and I had them all in there, and I marched into our trailer, and I announced that they were my new pets. And in my excitement, now I'm standing in the middle of our living room, I dropped the helmet. My mom screams, and, and this is no kidding, those lizards all just froze when she screamed. They kind of looked, and then they ran for cover, and, and my mom would tell you, for weeks we found lizards around the house, and I'd hear mom scream, and I was like, oh, another lizard, and uh, it was uh, the punishment that kept, kept on giving, you know. I was like, you boys are in trouble, but that happened two weeks ago, mom, you know. How, ma- how many of you have got a pet? All right, what, what kind of pet you got? A dog and a cat. What kind of dog? A mix? Okay, all right. What, what do you got? Yeah, yeah. Mix? Beagle. All right. Anybody else? Anybody else got a... You know, what is this? Cat, dog, cat, dog, cat, dog. Yeah? You got some fish? Yeah, what kind of fish? No clue. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Here, here's the thing about, about the pets. Almost all of them have something in common. They're not wild. They're domesticated, right? I mean, that means they can live in close association with, with other people. Uh, you, you may have a family pet at, at home, stays in the house, or it's outside. Or you can have a farm animal that's domesticated. But the fact is, they know where to go. They know where to sleep. They know where to eat. They know their place, and, and they figure that routine out. And the fact is, there are some animals that no matter how hard you try, you cannot domesticate them. They, they simply just cannot be domesticated. And I, I've noticed something through the years, and this is going to sound kind of strange, but many Christians have tried to domesticate Jesus. They, I, I've seen it in every denomination, Baptist, Catholic, Methodist, Pentecostal, you plug something in. I, I've seen it with people that are outside the church, and people that are in the church. In fact, I've even seen it in this church. We've tried to domesticate Jesus. Basically, we've taken the Jesus out of Scripture, and we've tried to tame him. You know, we've tried to, to tame him to, to the point that we want Jesus to do what we want. We want to confine Jesus to a certain place in our lives. Does this sound familiar? Jesus has his place, 10 to 11.15 on Sunday morning. And when we're done, stay Jesus. We want Jesus a little bit during the week, maybe. 
hit a tough time, we take him out. We take him for a walk. Maybe we're hurting a little bit. We cuddle a little bit with Jesus for just a little while. But the bottom line is it's our term, our timing. Because we don't really want Jesus to interfere in our lives. You know, interfere with our relationships. Interfere with our job. Interfere with our money. Interfere with our recreation. And friends, I will tell you that's a very worldly, very worldly kind of a view. We live in this world, but we are not from this world or of this world. We're aliens, Scripture says, which means that we are to think different. We're to have alien thinking, so to speak. You know, if you have a domesticated faith, it is a very worldly concept. If you have a domesticated faith, it will not convict you much. It will not change you. It will not sustain you through the tough times in life. You will never grow in your faith, in fact, as long as you think that you can tame Jesus and you can control Jesus and you can confine Jesus to a certain part of your life. Worldly, worldly thinking. You can't, I will tell you, no matter how hard you try, you cannot tame Jesus in your life. You just can't do it. You know, John, one of the disciples, he, was recorded, he recorded a lot of the teachings of Jesus in the book of John. And he noted Jesus saying things like, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John, John makes the, the comment that Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. And John was known as the, the apostle of love. He wrote a lot of stuff. In fact, he talked a lot about love. And he wrote this about love. He says, do not love the world or the things in this world, Jesus said. The love of the Father is not in those who, what? Love the world. John's talking about, and Jesus was teaching about, the the tension between God and loving this world. And there is a tension for us. You know, we struggle with this. A verse later, he would remind us what's really important. He says, and the world and its desires are passing away, but those who do the will of God live forever. It's interesting because John lived the longest of all the disciples. About 90 AD, he wrote the book of Revelation. It's an apocalyptic piece of literature. And John, in that book, he has this vision, and he sees God sitting on a throne. And God's holding a a scroll, and it's got a seal on it. And in the vision, an angel is asking him, who's worthy to open and read the scroll? And John says, I cried, because I couldn't couldn't see anyone that was going to be able to open this. There was no one that could step forward. And then Scripture says this, But one of the elders said to me, don't cry. The lion 
from the tribe of Judah has won the victory. He's talking about the, the, the lion, the tribe of Judah. That's, that's Jesus. Jesus has won the victory. He is David's descendant. He's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. In that book, Jesus is also called the Alpha and the Omega, the bright and morning star, the Lamb of God. But here, he's called the lion from the tribe of Judah. You know, years ago, uh, Cindy and I were in Mexico. We had an opportunity to hold two baby African lions. And I will tell you, it was an amazing experience, something I, I will never forget. They were cute. They, they were cuddly. And, and they purred. And, you know, it was just one of the moments. And I'm holding them, and I thought, I'm going to take these home with me. How cool would that be? And I know some of you are going, that's crazy. Always knew there was something wrong with him. Yeah. Everybody knows you can't domesticate a lion. You just can't. Absolutely right. They are cuddly when they're cubs, but when they're full grown, three, four hundred pounds of them, they're scary. You know, you, you, how many of you have ever been to the zoo and you see a lion or maybe you've traveled overseas and you've got to see one out in the wild? You do not go, you know, I think I'd like to go over and hug that thing. Yeah. Now, having said that, I've got to confess something. That, that same trip, Cindy and I, we were out for a walk one evening, and uh, I saw this guy on the street, and he has this adult lion laying next to him. And it's all stretched out. And so we kind of walked over, and we're talking to him. And then he said, you can pet her. So I kind of looked, and very cautiously, I reached down, and I started petting, like, her tail, you know, the very end of it, and kind of worked my way up. And uh, so I'm, I'm petting, and uh, she starts purring, and pretty soon she's turned over, and she's kind of wallowing around. And he goes, she likes you. And he goes, do you have a cat? And I said, yeah, I've got a cat. And he goes, well, you know how they get their teeth around you and they don't bite you, but they're, they're just playing? He goes, if you rub her head, she'll do that. Now I'm going to show you how crazy I am. <laughs> so I very gently, I reached out, I started Betting her head, and sure enough, she started licking, and then she started playing, then kind of love bites, they call them. And uh, finally, the guy said, You know, I really got to get home, I got to get home for dinner. And so he pulls on the chain, the cat wouldn't move. And so she kind of started digging in with her claws, and you could see her claws, a little bit of them. And I mean, he yanked her really hard. She kind of pulled up, she pulled the brick out of the sidewalk. She had them in her paws. And in that moment, as I backed away and thought, boy, you're an idiot. (sighs) I mean, I realized you cannot domesticate an animal like that. You know, the lion is king, king of the jungle. Jesus is the lamb, but he's also a lion, And Jesus is a lion, and I will tell you, friends, you cannot tame him. You know, how many of you remember the song Rome by the B-52s? 
Come on. I know we're in church. You go, oh, should I admit? I want? Yeah. But you remember Rome if you want to? Rome around the world? I mean, my prayer through this series is that you invite Jesus into your life, the real Jesus, the radical Jesus, the Lion of Judah, that you allow him to roam in every area of your life. It is an alien thought to allow that. But friends, we are not of this world. And my hope and prayer is that you could just pray a simple prayer and just say, God, I give you the freedom. You roam where you want to in my life. I mean, what if, what if you were to allow Jesus and you just allowed him to go anywhere in your home, your apartment? You didn't just keep him on the front porch or outside or here at church. I mean, what if you turned Jesus loose in the den and in the living room and in the bedroom and in the attic and in the closet and in those secret places in your home? I mean, what if you turned Jesus loose and allowed him to roam in your mind and destroy some of the sin in your life, destroy some of the lies that's holding you captive today? I mean, what if you allowed him to roam and roar and roar courage into your life and boldness into your life? I mean, what if you allowed Jesus to roam and give you the strength to step out and do something that you absolutely did not think was possible? I mean, what if you did that? See, over the next few weeks, that's what I want to look at. I want to take a close look at some of those out-of-this-world statements that Jesus makes where he's calling us to a better existence, where he's expanding our minds, expanding our concept of what's possible in Jesus Christ. You know, things that Jesus said that were gut-wrenching sometimes. Sometimes I read Scripture and it just, just hits me, it convicts me. You know, some of the statements that Jesus confirms and affirms us in, in our lives. You know, Jesus, he said, I, I've come in order that you may have what? Life. 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 Life in all of its fullness. You know, in the Greek, there are three prefixes that are on the word Life. And so they mean different things. And so you can choose uh, bios is one of the Greek word prefixes for life. And it means the, the physical life that's offered. And then there's a suke. That's the psychological, the life of the mind. But Jesus didn't pick either of those words. No, he talks about life that's zo. It's the God kind of life. It's life that's beyond or bigger than this world. You know, some of the things that that Jesus said, he, they just kind of blow your mind. And Jesus was teaching one day. It was one of the last teachings. He's teaching his disciples. And he makes this out of this world statement. He says, very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I'm going to the Father. I remember reading this 
almost 40 years ago now. And when I read that the first time, blew my mind. Blew my mind. I thought, greater works than Jesus did? I mean, Jesus healed the sick. He restored people's sight. Jesus cast out demons. He raised the dead. You know, Jesus walked on water. You know, he's, he, he spoke and storms became very still. And so when I read that, I, I thought, okay, God, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to do greater things. And I believed God's word, and I believe God's word. And, and so at that time, I went out expecting to heal people, expecting to do greater works, you know, supernatural things in my life. And I, and I prayed about it, and I studied, and I fasted, and I started looking for those opportunities in my life. And those things didn't happen. And I, I went through a season where I kind of doubted, and I, I had a lot of despair, and I, I struggled. And I thought, God, you said greater things. So why isn't it happening? Now, the good news is I'm still at it. And I'm still believing. And I'm still breathing. And I stand on the scripture that says even when we're unfaithful, God's faithful. In other words, you can trust God. But when Jesus said greater works... What I've learned as I've studied and grown in my faith is it doesn't mean greater works as in greater miracles. I mean, it doesn't mean that here. History would confirm it. Experience has taught me that. Now, don't misunderstand me. I believe in miracles. I've seen them. I believe people are healed. I've seen that. I wouldn't be here today if I didn't believe that. I believe people are set free. I believe... There, there's demon possession in some cases, and that, it's ca- that people have cast demons out. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. See, Jesus is talking about greater works by greater things are in store for you. In fact, in the, in the Greek, the word work is ergon. It's the same word that, that Peter or that Paul uses when in Philippians 1 6 he says this. He says, I am certain that God who began the good ergon work within you will continue his ergon work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus, when Christ Jesus returns. That's a great scripture to put up here. Your life may be a mess today. You may be barely hanging on in your life. You may be flying blind in some some obstacle or situation in your life. But if God started, Christians, if God started a work in you, he's going to bring it to completion. He has greater works, greater things in store for your life. And I know you may say, well, yeah, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm suffering. You don't know what I'm facing in my life. And you're right. I do not. I can't know all that stuff. But here's what I know. God is working in you. God is working in you even though you may not realize it. 
You know, Søren Kierkegaard, he, the Danish philosopher, he says, you must live life forward, but you can only understand it as you look backward. You live life in the now, but you can only understand sometimes as you look back and you realize that God was working, God was doing something in your life. You know, you can only see that when you're looking back. And I can tell you, absolutely, Christians, absolutely, God is working in you and God has greater things in store for your life. You know, part of God's greater works and greater things, it was spreading the good news of Jesus Christ around the world. You know, spreading it and sharing who Jesus Christ was. That was one of the pieces. It's one of the greater things. You know, when Jesus was on this earth, he was kind of confined. You know, he wasn't able to touch everyone in the world. He, he went to be with his Father so that you and I could have the Holy Spirit come and live inside us. In other words, we're not alone. We're not alone trying to, trying to follow God. We're not alone as we're allowing the Lion of Judah to roam in our lives and live in our lives. You know, the Holy Spirit's inside you and me. You know, giving us power, giving us strength, giving us comfort, giving us guidance, you know, so that we can stand up, so we can stand strong. The Spirit of God makes that possible. But when Jesus was on this earth, I mean, he was here for 33 years. He was localized, small spot on the planet called Israel. When he left the planet, when he ascended into heaven, since then, it's gone global. There are Christ followers all around the world. And get this, the, the greater works, as we spread the good news of Jesus Christ, is God and Jesus are everywhere, in real time, in a personal way. He's with you wherever you're at, in your work day, or whatever is happening. See, it is a much greater way, greater way than before. Because he's present with us now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you over the next few weeks to take your faith to a whole nother stratosphere. And I hope that you'll let Jesus take you to that out-of-this-world ex- existence. You know, when I was in uh, college, my roommate Larry, he had this velvet poster in our room. And uh, it was a big velvet lion. Now, it was not a very good picture. Uh, It was like a step above velvet Elvis, okay? (laughs) It just wasn't very good. But it had a great verse on it. And I share this because I think it's critical to our alien thinking. It's critical to our Christian thinking. You know, Proverbs 28, it says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, and the righteous are bold as what? A lion. See, the world flees from godly things. Have you noticed that? They flee from things they don't understand. 
things that, that are, are, are worldly, they're kind of drawn to. But they, they flee. They flee from the hard things in life, character, and things of that nature. The, the world, they shift according to what tomorrow brings. They, they bow down to, to culture, but the righteous... Those that are God-honoring, Scripture says, are bold as lions. You know, again, it's alien thinking. It's very different than what the world thinks. The world caves, but God's people stand strong, and they're bold. You know, we, we, we're bold because we understand that, that we're made perfect in Jesus Christ, that we receive that, that righteousness. We, we're bold in our lives because not only do we know who we are, but we know who we belong to. I mean, we're bold because we allow Jesus, the Lion of Judah, to roam in our lives. And as he roams and he roars in our lives, we become bold, bold as lions. You know, Paul, Paul says this in Romans 1. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith, for faith, as it is written, the one who is righteous... We'll live by faith. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He died for me. But Jesus didn't die on the cross just so that we could be forgiven. Forgiveness is a wonderful thing. But God did more than forgive you. He gave you the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. In other words... I made an, an F, and you made an F on your report card morally. We got Fs. And I know some of you are thinking, well, now I'm better than so-and-so, and so I'm okay. No, that's worldly thinking. They got an F. You got an F. I got an F. We all earned Fs. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, I earned an F. <laughs> And that F alienated. It alienated you, and it alienated me from God. And this is a dark matter. It put astronomical space between us and God. But God gave you, and he gave me, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In other words, you made an F, I made an F, but Jesus made an A+. Plus. He got 100%. Jesus was perfect. And so when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, when we have faith in Jesus Christ, accept him as our Savior and Lord, we trade in our F, and God gives us the A+. Plus. In other words, on the cross, God treated Jesus like he, he were you and me. But he treats us because of what Jesus Christ did, like we were Jesus. It's God's grace. It's God's grace. You probably heard this before, but there was a slave trader in, in England, very uh, 
evil, messed up guy. And when he heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, when he heard about the righteousness of Jesus, that, that because of that righteousness, he could be forgiven, he, he said he was undone. He was undone. And so in response, John Newton wrote the, the song Amazing Grace, one of the most loved songs. Amazing Grace, not mediocre grace, not a little bit of grace. But amazing grace. And what happened, not only did Newton experience forgiveness in his life, but that grace changed him. And it it found him a new purpose in life. In fact, he he would start working with Wilbur Wilberforce. That's hard to say. (laughs) But those two men helped abolish slavery in England. Because of God's grace. See, it's good news. It's great news. It's mind-expanding news when you come face-to-face with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your shame, your guilt. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And friends, that righteousness is big. It's big. That, that righteousness that, that we receive, it, it doesn't change based on, on how you feel. No, it doesn't change uh, according to your emotions, you know, what the day is. It doesn't change because of what you do or you don't do. In other words, oh, you might get up and go, oh, I didn't pray today. You know, I, had, I said a bad word at work today. I, I didn't do this or I didn't do that or I should have done this. Now, don't misunderstand me. Do we need righteousness in our life? Do we need to live righteously and godly? You bet we do. I mean, we need to pursue God. We need to do those things that are God-honoring in our lives. I mean, we need to pursue that with a passion. But the righteousness in our life isn't based on that stuff. It's alien. It's outside us. It's external. The the righteousness that we have in Jesus Christ allows us to be accepted by God, to be affirmed by God, to be loved by God, whether you have a good day or a bad day. Maybe you came in here today and go, man, this is awful. It's just been an awful week. It's okay because God's grace is bigger. That's a very alien thought in our world. And I think you just got to let that soak in sometimes. When God looks at you, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ and you believe in Jesus Christ and you've put your faith in him, it's like the, the old praise hymn. It says, when he looks at me, he sees not what I used to be, but he sees Jesus. It's a big concept. You know, God sees you as righteous because of Jesus Christ. God sees not your past, your potential. You know, friends, when we can understand that, when we grasp that, it changes things. 
I mean, when you really understand that, you become very bold for God. And we're bold because we know we're forgiven. We know we are accepted and we know we are loved. We, we know who we are and who we belong to. And we know that God has a plan for our life. Did you know that? God's got a plan for your life. God is with you. And not only is he with you, but he's for you. You know, and God's Holy Spirit is in you. In other words, you're filled with God's Spirit. And God will guide you with that Spirit and strengthen you and empower you. And some of you just needed to hear that this morning. Friends, we know that God has greater things, greater works in store for every single one of us. And that's what I want you to grasp. You may say, well, God's not. God has greater things in store for you. He absolutely does. I've read a lot of uh, C.S. Lewis's books, and uh, he's, he's kind of all over the map with his topics. But one of, one of my favorite passages, it, it comes from the, the children's series, uh, The Chronicles of Narnia. How many of you have watched it, at least? How many of you have read it? <laughs> but there, there's a character in the book. His name's Aslam. And Aslam is a big lion, He's the Christ figure in, in the story. And there's a moment where Mr. Beaver is talking to Lucy about Aslam. And she says, well, you know, or he says to her, you know, Aslam is not a tame lion. And a little bit later, she asks him, she says, but is he safe? And Mr. Beaver says, no, Aslam is not safe. He is not a tame lion, but he is good. He is the king, I tell you. Friends, Jesus Christ is the king. He is the lion of Judah. And he is not tame. And he will not be tame. And he is not going to let you just be comfortable in life. And he's not going to let you do whatever you want to do. You know, he's not going to let you play it safe sometimes. He, he, he is not tame. But he is always good. I will tell you that from experience. Always good. And he's offering every one of you life. A life that's out of this world, it's otherworldly. It's different than what the world offers. But I will tell you, it is absolutely good. And all you got to do is just say, you know what, God? Roam in my life, do what you want to. I want to be yours. You know, some of you, you come in, you go, man, my life's falling apart and things aren't good, and I had a crummy week, and this is falling apart in my life. And if you would just go, you know what, God? Roam in my life. Help me be what you want me to be. Your, your life would turn. It would change. And some of you just need to do that. Let, let, let's stand. We'll have a word of prayer. We'll pick this up next week. God, 
You are king. You are the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And God, I pray that uh, today we just whisper that prayer. Just say you have permission to roam where you want to in my life. I've tried to control you. I've tried to confine you. But just go where you want now. God, I want to be pleasing. I want everything I say and do for it to bring a smile to your face. God, forgive us. Forgive us when we've tried to keep you out of our life, out of some area, something. Oh, how foolish we are. God, I pray that uh, we would just pursue you and run after you with everything that's in us. Open our minds, open our hearts. May we please you with all we say and do. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. And God's people said,